You're listening to an audio message from Palm Vista Community Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit palmvista.org. So welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the letter of 1 Timothy. We've entitled the series, Blueprints, God's Plan for Building His Church. Blueprints, God's Plan for Building His Church. And this message today is a pivotal message. It's, it's a foundational message. The text that I'm preaching today really is the purpose text for why God inspired the Apostle Paul to write the letter of 1 Timothy to Pastor Timothy, to, t- to tell Pastor Timothy how to build the church in Ephesus. This morning's message is entitled, Truth, Truth. In the most famous trial in the history of mankind, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus if he was in fact the king of the Jews. Jesus was on trial. It was bogus, trumped up charges. He was on trial for blasphemy because supposedly he claimed to be the king of the Jews. And so they bring Jesus before Pontius Pilate, who happened to be the Roman governor who had the power to execute Jesus according to the Roman law. So Pontius Pilate, arguably the most powerful man in that part of the world. He was the governor of Judea, placed there by Tiberius Caesar, the most powerful man on earth at the time. Pontius Pilate is questioning this poor carpenter from Nazareth named Jesus. And he says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus calmly looks back at him and says this, "Uh, is that you saying it or did someone tell you? which did not make Pontius Pilate very happy. No one talks to me that way. He says, do I look like a Jew to you? Your Jewish friends are the ones that are accusing you, and they want me to certify your debt. They want me to authorize crucifixion. So don't play games with me, Jesus. And I'm paraphrasing now Jesus' words. Jesus Christ said this to to Pilate. He says, oh, I don't play games with words. As a matter of fact, I came to declare and bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to me. And Pilate was moved. See, he remembered that his wife told him before he went out, don't mess with that guy. There's something about that guy. Do not get involved with that guy. And Pilate was desperately trying not to be involved, but he had to be involved because see, it was God's will for Jesus to be crucified. It was for God's will for Pilate to condemn him to crucifixion. But Pilate was freaking out. He went from a belligerent governor to a scared man and a bit of a philosophical man because when Jesus said, I came to bear witness of the truth and everybody of the truth will listen to me, Pilate leans back in his chair And he looks at Jesus and he says, what is truth? And the people in your world today are still asking that same question. Because you see, the irony of it is, Pilate is staring truth incarnate in the face and he's asking him, what is truth? But he didn't see it. And there's people in your worlds right now that are hoping, that are wondering, that are asking, what is truth? Deep in their gut, 
They know that the mumbo jumbo today of your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and everybody's truth is everybody's truth. Just be cool with it. And it's, it's a logical impossibility, pal. If your truth is diametrically opposed to my truth, our truths cannot be both true at the same time, at the same place. But we skip off to la-la land with our eyes covered by blindfolds. Desperate for the truth. Trying to be happy on the outside, but deep inside our hearts and the hearts of your neighbors and coworkers, people you go to school with and friends, they know, even though they're saying the mumbo jumbo, that my truth is my truth, so I'm happy. I'm happy for your truth. Deep inside their heart, they know there's got to be some truth that's really true for everybody at the same time. But they don't see it. The Bible says their eyes are blinded. And Jesus Christ, who is the truth, has given us that truth. Not because we saw it, because we didn't. We were as blind, as deceived as the next person. But by grace alone, through faith alone, he's given us the truth. And as the church, he calls us to display that truth to a watching world. And he writes this letter to us, Palm Vista, to teach us how to, first of all, to teach us the truth. We're going to read about it here in this text. And then to teach us how to behave according to that truth so that we display the truth of Jesus properly to the watching world that's desperately asking, what is truth? And we step up corporately. Right now, all of us. Imagine all of us crawling into some corporate big suit. You know, like those suits they have in the Chinese dragons and all those people with those dragons. Imagine, we're not dragons, okay? But we're all in one big suit. It's a truth suit. Not a zoot suit, a truth suit. Say that five times. And we say to the world, you want to know what is truth? Jesus is truth and we're displaying him for you. However imperfectly. However imperfectly, I know we do, but we do because he saved you and he saved you and he saved me and he brought us together to display him and he shows us how to live according to that truth in this text. So let's read it, shall we? Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 16. 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 to 16, yes, I am giving in to the mighty glasses God. When you, when you hit 63, you can wear one of these, all right? Yeah, thanks. I feel it. This print's gotten smaller. Everything's getting smaller. All right, here we go. 1 Timothy 3.14. Paul writing to Pastor Timothy. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay... You may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress or support of the truth. And here's the truth now. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Verse 16 is the truth about Jesus Christ. 
Verse 16 shows us the supremacy of Christ. And verses 14 and 15 show us the significance of the church. This, this text really is about the significance of the church, the supremacy of Christ. The church is significant because we are the place where he has chosen to place his image in each of us individually and each of us collectively so that we might display the truth of verse 16, who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Before we get to this text, I just want to tell you something. The reason that you come to church on Sunday mornings is to display Jesus along with me. That gives your life a significance far greater than you can imagine. You may think your life isn't what you want it to be, but when God saved your life and brought your life and united it with those of us here in this church at Palm Vista, he gave us a purpose. He gave us a significance corporately together to display him. It's why people get here at eight in the morning to set the stage up every single Sunday, our tech team recreates a very complex sound place and sound system and, and, and recording studio. God bless those guys, man, and ladies. I, I watch the smoke coming out of their ears as they're putting plugs back in and remembering where did we put it last Sunday. But you know why they do it? Because we're displaying Jesus right now. Not so you get a nice, beautiful concert. It is nice, and thank you, Ben. But if his voice wasn't so powerful, and, but we were still singing those songs, we're displaying Jesus. This afternoon, there's going to be a bunch of folks that are going to get trained at the ministry center for how to be children's ministry teachers. <laughs> Not exactly the most glorious ministry, right? I'm going to go spend two hours with a bunch of little kids, I don't know, teaching them about Jesus. Most people run in horror when they're asked to, to, to volunteer in that. But, but right now, as that's going on, we are displaying Jesus. When those ushers came down, beautiful ushers. Well, most of them are beautiful. On this side, it was a little bit iffy on how beautiful they were. <laughs> Cassie, thank you. You bring beauty to an otherwise rough-looking crew. Um, they're displaying Jesus. When I give my tithe, I display Jesus. That's the purpose and significance of the church. And that's the main point here of the text on the screen. The thesis or the main point of the text. God builds Palm Vista to defend and display the truth about Christ. God builds Palm Vista. You're Palm Vista if you're a member. If you're a guest, listen, I, wanna, I want you to pray about becoming a member at Palm Vista. We're going to receive three new members this morning. But you, you need to be a member somewhere. So God builds Palm Vista. Insert the name of the church that God leads you to, to defend and display the truth about Christ. Last week we talked about living the gospel life. It's the same thing, same, same. Here's the gospel, it's Jesus, the truth about Jesus, contained in verse 16, and he builds his church as the buttress and support, or, or buttress or, or pillar and buttress of the truth. He builds us up so that we defend and display it. That's why we gather. That's why the children's ministry teachers are gonna gather uh, after this service. That's why these men are joining the church. 
You're joining the church to get with a group of people to, to display Jesus in a way you can't do by yourself. When you bring your gifts together with mine and your beautiful face together with mine and your crazy background together with mine, New England, Cuba, El Salvador, Puerto Rico. That's right, got Ivan's attention on the Puerto Rico right there. He woke up. Bithlo. <laughs> That's in central Florida, in case you don't know where Bithlo is. But God brings us all together. San Francisco, the urbane, astute. And he brings us together to display Jesus. Wow. That's significance, my friends. That's significance. All right, point one. The church displays the truth. The historical context of this passage is the Apostle Paul is leaving Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, traveling to Macedonia, modern-day Greece. So he's there, and he's writing Timothy back in Ephesus, and he's saying, I can't wait to get back because I want to give you these instructions. And because I can't wait, I'm writing you the instructions. Look at verse 14. I hope to come to you soon. He's writing from Macedonia. But I am writing these things to you so that, so verse 15 is going to give us the purpose statement for this letter. I'm writing this letter so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of the truth. So here in this letter, we have God's instructions for us because we as the church are that pillar and support or that buttress of the truth. Here in this letter, we have a picture of the significance of the church. Because he calls the church, look again at verse 15, the church of the living God. That is language that hearkens back to the Old Testament, to Jacob, when he met with God at a place called Bethel, and the translation of that word Bethel, where Jacob, one of the patriarchs, met with God, Bethel can be translated house of God. So what, what God is saying here is we, Palm Vista, is the place where God dwells. God is building us up as the place where he dwells. It's exactly what he said elsewhere in Ephesians 2.22 on the screen. In him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That gives us significance. When you come to church on Sunday, do you come excited about how you're going to display Christ? And do you come excited that this is the place where God's spirit dwells? Do you come expecting to hear from God? Do you come expecting to display God's glory? Do you come expecting that the, the living God is here with us now by his spirit? Oh, I pray you do. This sermon is to envision you to come that way. Because when you got little ones at home, right, sometimes it's hard to get here. Or you just had a rough day or fill in the blank. Your car breaks down. Someone's car broke down today. He crammed his whole family in his work van. His wife was sitting on a bucket. <laughs> but you know what? I know, I know you're coming 
because you know you're displaying Christ and you're excited about meeting with God in a unique way when his people gather. We're pillars. That word pillar and the word that is translated for buttress, those Greek words, really have this this idea of columns that are built in Solomon's temple. Again, he's pointing to Old Testament, and those columns supported this temple. Of course, we know that Solomon's temple, the temple where God's presence dwelt. So we are physical pillars and support. When Samuel and and, and when Gabe and when Anthony join at the end of this sermon, I want you guys to know that you're one other, there's some more pillars. You're some more supports of the truth as you join your life with our lives. That's what's happening here. George Knight in his commentary on this text says it this way on the screen. In summary, Timothy and the church will conduct their lives appropriately If they remember that they are the home built and owned by God. Church, you, Palm Vista, were the home built and owned by God. And indwelt by him as the living one. And also remember, church, remember this, that they are called on to undergird and hold aloft. I choose to say it this way. To display and defend or defend and display with our words and with our deeds. God's truth and word and deed. Point two. Christ is that truth. Jesus Christ is the truth that we're displaying. He's the gospel that we're living. That's exactly what verse 16 says. Look at it with me. Verse 16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Jesus is the mystery of godliness revealed. Jesus is God in the flesh. We don't know what godliness looked like, and God said, I'm now going to come into the flesh, and I'm going to reveal to you what godliness looked like. Now, here's a little historical tidbit for you. You need to hear this because this makes this text come to life. You ready? In Ephesus, they had a false god named Artemis. And they used to cry out to this false god named Artemis, great is Artemis. Go read about it. It's in Acts 19. There was a riot based upon that cry. I believe God is like in your face to Artemis right now. Oh, great is Artemis, greater is the mystery of godliness that is revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus is greater than Artemis. So bow your knee, Artemis, and everybody that that worships Artemis to Jesus. For great is the confession of godliness. That word confession is something we all agree upon. What we have here, church, is probably one of the first creeds or confessions of the church. Probably what we have here in my Bible, that section is a little bit, it looks a little differently in your electronic Bible or in your physical Bible. You'll notice that that section is kind of set apart. And if you look at your Bible, in my Bible, it's set apart in six lines because that's exactly what we have here. We have an early creed or confession of the church that is absolutely true, 100% true. You want universal truth? Here's your universal truth. You want your life to have meaning? Believe this, display this, live this in community with other believers. And there are these six lines that preach the gospel. They preach the gospel then, and they preach the gospel now. These six lines are the following. He, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, point one. What does that mean? Line number two, vindicated by the Spirit. What does it mean Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit? Line three, he was seen by angels. Seen by angels? Line four, he was proclaimed among the nations. What does that mean? Line five, he was believed on in the world. And line six, taken up 
in glory. Let's take a look at these. Line number one, he was manifested in the flesh. That line is speaking of Christ's incarnation. This line is speaking of God coming in the flesh. And it includes him living the perfect life. If you're a guest this morning, here comes the gospel. You hear us talk about the gospel? Here comes the truth. You ready? You are called to live a perfect life before God. You and I, we all fail. Jesus was manifested in the flesh. God in the flesh And he perfectly obeyed his father, though equal with the father. Remember last week's message, equal with the father. He obeyed the father. He did what you and I failed to do. He passed the test in the garden. So manifested in the flesh speaks of his incarnation, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, perfect life. And it speaks of him then going to the cross and taking the penalty for your sin and my sin. So that's manifested in the flesh. All right, let's look at that second line. Vindicated by the Spirit. This refers to Christ's resurrection. Christ was resurrected by the Spirit of God. This resurrection from the dead is the vindication that Jesus is, in fact, God in the flesh. He's Messiah. And what he did on the cross is effective to save his people, his people. What he did on the cross, his death on the cross is effective for his elect, his people, and it was vindicated when God raised him from the dead by the Spirit. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies, Romans 8. Guys, when we meet here, it's that Spirit that quickens your mortal body, though it's sick. It's true. It's true. Vindicated. By the Spirit. Third line, seen by angels. This now is speaking as well to Christ's resurrection appearances, but now we have a little shift in this confession. The first two points of, those, of this confession manifested in the Spirit, vindicated, excuse me, manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit. These speak of Christ's revelation. Oh, this is God in the flesh. Oh, this is what God has done for us. Oh, this is God's vindication that it's effective. The next two points seen by the angels and proclaimed among the Nations is speaking of the proclamation of this truth. So seen by angels refers to Jesus' resurrection appearances, his cosmic victory as witnessed by the angels who are messengers of his resurrection. Imagine if you were an angel. You'd be an odd-looking angel, but imagine if you were an angel. You've been sitting on the sidelines. Now, angels are created beings, so they're not eternal beings. They're created beings. You know what I'm saying? In the sense that they have a beginning, unlike God, who has no beginning or no end. So at some point, you were created. And at some point, if you were one of the angels that did not fall, you saw the fall. And you've been on the sidelines. And then at some point, you get a tap on the shoulder, and God says, go, you, you, uh, Gabriel, you go announce the birth of Christ. So you're watching that. And at some point, you're watching the crucifixion. And you don't, you're an angel, so your knowledge is limited. So you're witnessing all this and you're going, wait, it's like the best program ever. It's the best plot line ever. It's like, wow, God, how are you going to save your creation? First of all, why would you want to save them? They're a bunch of dirt balls. You don't save angels, and he doesn't. Once a fallen angel's fallen, that's it. It's over. But you save your creation. Why? And you're watching and you're watching and you're watching. And Jesus is crucified and he's in the grave and you're wondering. Can you imagine those three days? Can you imagine the angel break room? Can you imagine the gossip that's going around there? 
And then on the third day, you're one of the two angels that gets tapped on his shoulder again and say, go to the tomb and tell those ladies that he's risen. Can you imagine that? That's what this is talking about. The proclamation of the resurrection of Christ. And then the fourth point, proclaimed among the nations. This refers to the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the gospel, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. This is talking about what we do as a church. We not only declare Jesus and the salvation that's in the gospel and who he is and what he's done, but we display it. We demonstrate it in our lives together. We live as if Jesus really did live for us and die for us and raise for us and ascend and he's ruling and reigning. We put aside our will. We put aside our ways. We have faith. We love. We forgive. We're merciful. This is the proclaimed among the nations. And then finally, the last two points, believed on in the world. This refers to the world's response to the proclamation of Christ. This response is by God's grace to enable his elect to respond. Believed on in the world is what tells us and when we preach the gospel, we ask for a response. Can you really preach the gospel without asking for a response? I suppose you can. But I believe what this is saying in the early church believed is when you preach the gospel, when you evangelize, there comes a point where you say, what do you think of this? You want to know what is truth? Jesus is truth. And you ask for a response. Jesus came preaching repentance. God calls all men everywhere, men and women, to repent. When he gives the grace, they can, but we are to call them to that. And then finally, taken up in glory, this speaks of Christ's ascension into heaven, his exaltation. Jesus Christ experienced suffering. He experienced the shame of nakedness on the cross. He experienced death. But, oh, friends, that was simply a prelude for that could not hold him. He then was glorified. Taken up into glory is our hope, dear friends. So what's this letter about? What's this series about? What are we about as a church? We are about behaving as God's household. We are about behaving in accordance with the truth about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done for us to redeem us through his life and death and resurrection and ascension. We're about displaying, defending and displaying this truth with our words, right doctrine, and with our lives, right deeds. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more resources or see how you can donate to this ministry, simply visit palmvista.org. And be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with upcoming teachings.